God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. It's been a while since I've been with you, and I'm really excited to be here. It's good to see you all. You know, I became a Christian when I was 12. I always say I was late to the party. And of course, I had no idea what following Christ would entail. How could I? Nobody knows what the end of the journey is going to look like from the beginning. And I began to wonder this thing about counting cost. And so at that time, at that age, what is, what is the cost? What is the cost of following Christ? Is, it, is following Christ hard or is it complicated? So I'm here to tell you that at its most basic level, I believe following Christ is simple. To be saved is to be granted eternal life. That's our foundational gift as the people of God. It's to be received through simple belief, simple belief. And we see this spread all across the Gospels. Romans 10 reads, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptized. And then the classic is John 3.16, right? The one that we all know if you watched a baseball game, there's always the dude in the back behind the catcher. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that all who believe in Him will have eternal life. All of this is about salvation. All of this is about being with God forever. So these instances of what salvation is, they're populated all through the Scriptures. And it seems like belief in Jesus that Jesus is Lord is the most common of all instruction about being saved to eternal life. And while the scriptures, honestly, can sometimes, sometimes seem a little chaotic, archaic, this is fairly clear. And while the scriptures also can come at us from all kinds of different angles, we can catch a vision from one part of Scripture, but maybe miss it in another. My favorite is the one from Revelation 21, where the writer was given this vision of the new Jerusalem that came down from heaven. You know this passage? The words go, See, the home of God is now among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be His people. And God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. It's this image of God in heaven, a new heaven, coming down actually on earth. And this is where we will spend eternity. Revelation 21, it's amazing. God does not lose anything that was created by Him. This is what I get from this passage of 21. He doesn't throw us away after our time on earth is complete and far from it. Revelation 21 is what eternal life actually looks like. Where humans will be with God for eternity. And this has captured my attention since I first read it some 45 years ago. 
that God will do a new thing, yet another new thing for each one of us. So the question is, do, do, we got, do we have to wait until the end of our life to see this, to see God working? Well, look, perhaps to see God work on a cosmic scale, maybe, that may be true. But let me assure you that God in Christ Jesus is present with us in the here and now and moves mightily in our lives. We today are witnesses to the mighty arm of God. Now look, it's embarrassing for me to say that I was probably in my mid-30s, before I even had a hint of what more lay beyond a simple belief in Christ. You see, my journey over that horizon of simple belief began with the most impertinent of questions, one that was not allowed in my wonderful and beloved Assemblies of God congregation. It all started with questions like this. Look, I already believe. Why do we need to gather in church? And then after that, it was, what's with all this talk about generosity and money? That was a big one. And then the final one, this is what started it all off. What about mission? Why go on missions? So these were the first three questions that I began to discern after my simple belief in Christ as Lord. Three questions. So what I've come to believe now is that most Christians have these sort of questions. And the tragedy is that they keep them to themselves. They're not asked. They're simply buried, unanswered, unable to inform a life in Christ. And so my purpose today is to encourage you to ask your questions. Now those were mine, and I thank God that in my second church, I was able to ask those. And I received answers. And they allowed me time to sit with the answers until they made sense to me. I had found my way into a church like St. Michael. And so I encourage you to ask your questions. So look, those were just the beginning of my questions. That kicked everything off. And what questions do is they clarify your beliefs. So yes, of course, you can all come to simple belief that Jesus is Lord and you can be assured of everlasting life. Absolutely, 100%. But would you mind if I gave you answers to those first three questions of mine? I mean, you may have similar questions, or you may have friends that have those questions. <laughs> and look, these are my answers. These are the ones that God laid on my heart. You may have different answers that make sense for you, that is right in the center of Christianity. Okay, so why do we gather at church even after we believe? That's pretty simple, right? So there's several reasons, but the first two are super good to be clear about. 
So first is that the ancient Hebrews, as they came out of Egypt, God saved them from slavery. God commanded them to come together, to hear the word of God, to learn the word of God. And this has continued all through time, ever since then. The first Hebrews gathered, and then those who followed Jesus Christ, who came after those Hebrews, just continued that on. We're big on history and Christianity. We're big on that. Second is the church is the place where we get to practice what we hear. This is the place where you can make mistakes. And within your Christian community, you can be guided back on the path. If you just happen to make a mistake, right? So I can remember um, right my first, I don't know, maybe my, certainly my first year here, um, there was somebody, I don't know, early 20s, maybe even younger than that, was talking about how God is in the trees, that God is the trees. And it was just a simple mistake, a simple misapprehension. The trees were created by God, right? God is not in the trees. God created. It's a created thing from God. And that's all it took was just a simple jog, and it's perfect. It's no worries. Christian communities do that for each other. Keep us on the path, right? The next question I had was, why all the talk about money and generosity? So again, another sample of answers. This is just where I am. There is no conversation more sensitive, perhaps in Texas, but perhaps anywhere, more sensitive than someone's faith, their politics, or their money. Those conversations, guys, are fraught with tension, right? But believers talk about support for the church. First, because it is shot through Scripture. The second reason that healthy churches talk about money is that money is how the gospel is spread. It's a vehicle. It helps the ministry to spread the gospel. And it helps especially a ministry platform like St. Michael and All Angels. We just came through 100 degree heat in the summers. It's nice to have AC, isn't it? When we talk about money in the church, Maybe this was because I was raised in assemblies of God. I don't hear guilt. I don't hear shame. What I hear is that Norlin and I have the opportunity to get some skin in St. Michael. That's all it is. You just got skin in the game. That's all it is. How you hear that is a reflection of what's going on inside. And I just commend that to you to think about it. Don't hear guilt. Don't hear shame. Think about, wow, it's an opportunity. In my assemblies church, you could put your name up on a wall and how much you gave. And when I told St. Michaelites that, holy cow, well, I wasn't, I was never invited back to stewardship anymore. <laughs> but look, it wasn't, it wasn't about anything other than got skin in the game. And it was encouraged. And so I 
I offer that to you. Be encouraged about money. The third reason is for my own spiritual journey. I know that when I start having problems with people talking about money, it's really a spiritual question for me. This is me. Because when I find that I'm hanging on to that money, especially when it goes to glorifying God, glorifying the people of God, I just use that as an indicator that I need a tune-up. Just a little jog back on the path. I commend that to you also. Talking about money in church. The final question is, what about missions? We do ministry outside of these walls because we believe that our work flows from our faith. This is how Jesus set up the church. This is what we see in the Gospels. Jesus was on a mission, not only to the people of Israel, but to those people who extended beyond the borders. We are the hands and feet of Christ in this age. And we go because we are generous with our time and our money and our brain power. We have skills that we can share with other people. All of this is absolutely true. We offer those things to other people who may not have had the opportunities that we've had. That's all mission is. It's critically important to us living a life of faith. But that's all we're doing. We're sharing the gifts that we have with other people. That's all it is. So look, those are just my answers. You can come up with completely different answers between you, God, your friends, your faith community, however you go about that. Asking questions, not giving up until you have answers, and then going and doing something about it. These things begin to change us as the people of God for the better, to be more like Christ. Jesus asked his followers to take up the cross and then count the cost because he needed people to change. They couldn't go on the way they were in Israel. When you think about it, Jesus came to reorient people in the way they thought about God. Jesus asked folks to take up the cross because he needed change. And what I have found is that the cost of change through learning the teachings of Christ, reaching out to others, minding my manners, being self-reflective about my choices, endeavoring to be gentle even when I don't feel like being gentle, openly talking about generosity, knowing the reason that I have for faith in Christ Jesus. All this helps the kingdom grow. And I see that. So these are, these are my costs. But none of the cost is to be compared with the amazing life in Christ that I have been granted. Do I make mistakes? You better believe it. 
Do I make them in front of you? Do I make them in front of my wife? Oh, my heavens. Absolutely. And for somebody that's built like me, that's a cost. I am a know-it-all. And to make a mistake is wrenching for me. And yet I pursue that. I endeavor to pursue that. If you're built like me, I ask you to consider that. To tear down ego, leave all of that that is unhelpful behind, and make the simple pursuit of Christ your life. Is there a cost to following Christ? You better believe it. But it'll be different for each one of us. We are each wonderfully made, separate and apart by the hand of God. But don't let anything detract you from finding answers. No question is silly. No endeavor is too small or too great. Because everything we do as believers is done in the name of Christ. And so all of this is about merely an invitation to explore. Explore how to move deeper into this community of St. Michael and all angels, the one that my wife and I love so much. Be with us on Sundays. Go deeper in adult formation. Help others. The rewards of going deeper are utterly astounding. And may God bless you on that journey. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come to you today seeking your guidance, always receiving your love. We ask your encouragement, Lord. Bless us and guide us as we seek your face. Help us when we make a small mistake. Guide us back on the path to you. We love your encouragement in our lives, and we love you. And all this we lift up through our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thanks, everybody.